uh, let's open with prayer. Wow. I hope you've had a great day and uh, ready to jump in and, and join us today. We've uh, asked for some, some input uh, as well. If you've had a, a chance to look at any of the gospel references where Jesus calls God Father, then uh, that should be a clue to us. And we'll talk about that just a little bit more. Baby, you want to open with prayer? Sure. Yeah, thank you. Father, what a joy it is that mm-hmm. we get to call you Father. What a joy it is that Jesus came to reveal us, reveal you to us, so that we would know you, so that we could come close to you. And so I thank you for these friends that are joining us in this journey. I thank you for the way that you are revealing to each of us more and more of what it means to live mm-hmm. as your sons, to live in with you as our Father. So I thank you for the discussion tonight. I thank you that you're going to fill us with your Holy Spirit and show us what you want to show us today. Open our ears that we would hear your voice and open our eyes to see you in a new light and open our spirits to receive everything you have for us today. Yeah. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Well, I want to, I want to jump into this today, but, um, first I want to just, uh, ask you how your, how your weekend went. If the Lord's saying something to you, and uh, what that might be, I'm going to go ahead and put my headphones on this. I'm sitting on the other side tonight for a reason. Everything feels out of place. You're so, so weird. <laughs> I'm just going to try to hear everything that I can. Uh, I'd just love to hear from any of you of uh, what's going on in your world, wherever you are worshiping the Lord, serving the Lord. If the Lord's saying something particular to you, I had a, an unusual visitation, if you will, in the form of a dream this weekend. I won't talk about that. I'd rather hear yours and anything that you hear the Father saying to you. If we could just take a few minutes here, maybe five minutes to hear from you. Anybody want to share something the Lord's speaking to you or what you experienced this weekend? Y'all know I'm not bashful. Yeah, I had you both for class at CFNI, so you know I'm not bashful. And I have to tell this, that the Lord is telling people, he's, he took me back to Matthew 6 and said, if you do not forgive, my father will not forgive you. And uh, things happened since then, about a two-week process um, since then. This is about th- uh, the third week since he, 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 he put that in my mind. He put forgiveness in the right side of my brain. And he put the how-to on the left side, all within about 20 seconds. I knew it was the Lord. But forgiveness is the key. Forgiveness is a wall. He cannot. He can do so many. He can keep Saturn from running into Jupiter, but he can't break down the wall of unforgiveness. He cannot do it. He said he can't do it. He said he won't do it. But he came to me and he showed me that. And it changed my life. I just want to tell you, it took 56 years for that to happen and that is a father to me that, that he showed that to me but i just want you to know that unforgive or forgiveness is the key and it changes my life and it's changed the people's lives around me that's all yeah. i can say about that that's, that's powerful <laughs> really is good jeffrey so good to see you man Anybody else? Something you want to share? I'll just, I'll just share something on that, just uh, related to forgiveness, because a lot of times we talk about sonship, and it's very easy for us to focus on the benefits of sonship, and uh, and we want to sort of ignore what the call to sonship is, and and it involves that. It involves reconciliation. Uh, blessed are the peacemakers, for they they shall be called sons of God. 
So peacemakers, not just peacekeepers. Peacemakers are sons of God. It's one of the key characteristics. I love how Dallas Willard said it at the very end of his life that uh, he said, I, I, I've come to the realization that the, that the true measure of spiritual maturity, we could say the true measure of living in sonship, <laughs> is can we spontaneously love our enemies? Right. So thank you, Jeff, for bringing, bringing to light the, the issue of forgiveness because it is a huge piece of living fully as sons of God. Yeah. Yeah, in my in my reading through the Gospels this last month and looking at all of the Father references, um, forgiveness was a big one that kept coming up. And I, I actually, it's I've got it as number 10 on my list, number 10, because it's it was in that order when I came to it. But it, the, the forgiveness, which includes the want to and the power to, you know, we, we all can do it, but it's the want to that's really the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And it's not even a willpower. I got to make myself forgive. That's that's hardly a work of the Spirit to to make yourself forgive someone. But when the Holy Spirit gives us the Father's love in such dimensions and and helps us to see, it's that mindset of the Father and the Son helps us to see people the way He sees them. Then forgiveness is something that would flow out of us, and that's one of those key things that Jesus reinterpreted uh, in His teachings and pointed to the Father when he said it. So I appreciate that. Anybody else? Nathan, I'm going to read yours here in just a minute. Uh, so save that one if you will. Nathan did his homework and, and uh, sent some to me. So anybody else have anything you want to to just give uh, a thank you to the Lord for or something the Lord's saying to you that uh, you're, you're thankful about? I'm, I'm thankful for this topic of forgiveness, actually. And um it was actually in one of the services at Table of Friends when a woman had spent 25 years in prison and she stood up to testify and she talked about, she said something about forgiveness I'd never heard before. And I said, Lord, what is she saying? And he said, vengeance mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. And at that moment, he showed me that his ultimate vengeance is forgiveness because his adversary is not the sons, it's the enemy, and forgiveness yeah. robs the ultimate enemy of his prey. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's really good. That's his ultimate revenge, and that is why Jesus says to uh, not respond with evil for evil, but with evil for good. That that just takes the gloves off. It takes takes the sword out of the hand of the enemy, doesn't it? Well, let me jump in here for just a second. Is anybody else? Did I step on somebody? You want to jump in real quick here? We're going to just see what I can, what I can squeeze out of you in terms of some dialogue and sharing tonight about uh, this this insight. I, I think it's a I think it's a vein of gold. I think the Lord is opening up for us a way to tune in to His perspective. On sonship, and he's talking to disciples, of course, as well as distant followers, large crowds, and then you've got the Pharisees, which John just calls the Jews. You know, and the Pharisees were were out to get Jesus because he thought he they were he was going to remove them from their position, their place, and their power. And 
So all of the orphan characteristics of leadership that we've talked about are hanging out all over when uh, when the Pharisees are are talking to Jesus. So what I begin to notice is that many times when he's talking to those folks, he calls God, God. But when he's talking to his followers, those that have ears to hear what he's saying, he, he uses the term father. And I begin to think, okay, maybe he's cluing us into something. And uh, I challenged you last month, um, what if we just looked at every uh, New Testament gospel passage where Jesus used the term father, which was an unusual term. It was a blasphemous term for a man to call God Abba or Daddy, just off the charts. We, we're so used to reading it. We've been reading it in the scriptures our whole lives. So we think that's normal to call God father. They did not. That was a term that was just uh, absolutely raising the veins on their neck. And so for Jesus to use it over and over again in that culture uh, means a lot more than we think it means. It, it was something that he was saying, listen, 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 red light, flashing light, beep, 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 here's a siren. When I use this term, I'm talking about a relationship that I'm inviting you into that you have never dreamed of before. And of course, uh, Matthew 6, when they ask him about how to pray and he he's he teaches to pray, and he, he says this. He says, pray like this, Abba, Father. And uh, that's been a watershed moment in human history. Yeremias Joachim says, a watershed moment, the first time that we know of in all of antiquity where a man calls God Daddy, especially this, this uh, Judeo-Christian God. Now, And so for him to do that, for him to suffer the persecution that he knew he was going to take, for using that blasphemous term, but using it over and over again. There's got to be more to it. And so uh, I, I, I want to thank you if you've given any thought to that, if you've done any looking through uh, the Gospels where Jesus uses the term Father. And uh, Nathan did. I want to say thank you, Nathan. If you'll let me, I just want to read this uh, to everyone because it is the it's the assignment, and it's what I hope that you would think about doing when you see the term Father, ask yourself a question. And as I've been reading through the Gospels, and I just finished John uh, today, my goodness, 120-plus references to the Father in the Gospel of John alone, and it was like running through a quicksand. I mean, I was doing pretty good, and Matthew and Mark, you know, they don't reference Father too much, but when I got to... Luke, and then to John, oh man, it got deeper and deeper. And then you get into John chapter 5 and then 16, 17. It's every verse almost. And so uh, what I discovered this month in this exercise was that if I'll just stop and ask the question, Jesus is using the term Father, what is he trying to tell me about what's available to me as a son? What's he trying to tell me about what's available to me as a son. How do I see Father differently and then my interaction with him differently by this unusual term that Jesus was using for his day as Father? And so Nathan writes, he sent this in to, to us today, if I can keep it up on my phone. He says, this is, this is also about love uh, and forgiveness. Love for enemies is a sonship issue. Cheeky just mentioned it. Love for our enemies is a sonship issue. 
Now, we've always thought it was some other kind of issue. Okay, I'm going to power up. I'm going to, I'm going to have the last shot. I'm going, to, I'm going to get my facts stacked up higher than their facts and, and uh, evil for evil. But I love the way he says it. Love for enemies is a sonship issue. And he goes to Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 through 48. And there's several of these passages in the, in the four Gospels that deal with forgiveness, loving our enemies goes on to say, the Father demonstrates his love to all humanity through the blessing of life and provision, the godly and the ungodly. Remember, Jesus says the Father's going to reign on the just and the unjust. He's going to cause his sun to shine on the just and the unjust. To truly grow in sonship means loving our enemies will become the default for a mature man of God. This stuck out to me because I never really noticed the connection to sonship before. I've read it so many times. I've known love for enemies has been something Jesus taught that we should do. And it's always been something that I felt obligated to do, even though I really didn't want to. Here it is, the want to. There's the critical issue. Holy Spirit has been showing me, Nathan says, this too is a byproduct of being. Withholding love for enemies is to deny the inheritance of the Father in that he has given his nature uh, or reject that, and I am like my father who sends rain. I'm not exactly reading that right, but in that he's given his nature, reject that I am like my father who sends the rain. So, so when I get an opportunity to forgive, I'm either going to be like my father, and I'm going to send rain on the just and the unjust. I'm going to forgive those that deserve it and those that don't. I'm going to forgive those that will never talk to me again and won't even understand my forgiveness, won't even receive, maybe laugh at my forgiveness. But the Holy Spirit's showing. And then Nathan concludes with this. So many have zero problems with the idea of inherited nature and behaviors from our earthly fathers. We expect to look like our earthly father. We expect to, to sound like our earthly father, have some of those uh, genome characteristics from our earthly fathers. How much more so of us who are born of the Spirit? As we mature in sonship, I'm seeing the commands of Jesus aren't just a reflection of his nature. They are also an announcement of who we are. They're also an announcement of who we are. That, I think it says it very well. And this is, this is the idea. Go through the Gospels. find out, Just find those places where Jesus calls God Father. Now, there are a few times, if you just do a, a, a search for the word Father in the Gospels, you're going to have a few where Jesus is actually referring to earthly fathers. If you earthly fathers know how to good give good give. Give good gifts to your children, good gracious, <laughs> and know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more shall your heavenly for? So there's contrasting the natural father and the supernatural father. But when you see the term father, ask the question, what is Jesus trying to clue me in on? Why would he take the risk to use this term, this beloved term of daddy, when he knows that it's pushing every button uh, of the religious leader. You had any thoughts? We've we've had some conversations no, sorry, about I'm it. I'm about to cough, so she's about to cough, so she's going to dismiss herself. Anybody? And that 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 was a timely exit. <laughs> Anybody else? You want to jump in? Have you had a chance? Yeah, Sandra. Make sure your mic is on for us. Click on that microphone to unmute. There, there you go. go. Okay. 
Yeah. All right. I didn't get this sent to you, but I did start it with Matthew. I think Matthew 548 was your example, correct? Yes. Yes, it was. Okay. All right. So I went on to Matthew 6, 9, our Father in heaven, hallowed be our name. He taught us how to pray to the Father. And um, why? Because sons and daughters know how to address their father. And then Matthew 6, 14, if you forgive men your trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Why? Uh, sons must be forgiven and forgiving to be with the father. In fact, Jesus died to make it so. Mercy is a sonship issue. Uh, I've got to bring this up over your face to see the rest. Okay, let's see. Um, Matthew 10, 18 through 21. I'm doing New King James. Um, and it's really toward the end of it. You'll be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. When they, uh, But when they deliver you up, don't worry about how or what you will speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak, for it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks to you. Why God, uh, through God, or though God could use a donkey, he's raised up sons as ambassadors, and we uh, just need to be ready to take that on. That's what I wrote. And that's Okay. And that's can as far can as we see in that passage anywhere where Jesus is reinterpreting our our normal way of thinking, or even the way the Jews were taught to think uh, when they're brought before kings or under persecution? And certainly, the Jews were not strangers to persecution. In those days, they were trampled on by many nations. They learned how to go along to get along, how to play the game with politics. Uh, so what would Jesus be saying to draw our attention to the Father who's speaking to us by the Holy Spirit? He's always going to point to the Father. Um, because but what we're, he, what we're trying to look at here is he's going to point to the Father when he wants why? us, when he wants us to see something of our identity as sonship. So why is he pointing to the Father in that particular situation? I don't know, I've got to reread it. <laughs> Anybody else? You see something there you can help Sandra with? Sandy, I'm sorry. I keep calling Sandy <laughs> Sandy. Okay. So it'll be given to you in that hour. Um, what's the reference on that one, Sandy? Mark, uh, Matthew 10? Matthew 10, 18 to 21. Okay. And I have New King James up. It says, it'll be given to you in that hour. In other words, rely on the Holy Spirit. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. So the thought that comes to mind is this, is that the spirit of your father will be speaking through you. And I think it goes right. back to Nathan's idea that we expect to have inherited traits and sound like our earthly fathers and things like that. And so he's going to give us by the Holy Spirit the words that we reflect the Father in our in our speech, that when we're giving a defense, we're not looking for self-protection. We're looking at it from yes. God's own perspective, yes. reflecting his character, reflecting his thoughts, reflecting the way he would speak, you know, that we would sound like him. That's Think about how the, how the Jews were taught to argue. I mean, argument was their way of conversation. And their highest form of worship 
they said, was the study of the Scriptures. And so the way the Jews would argue, either within the family or outside, would be to Mm -hmm. stack up the doctrinal facts, right? And then Mm -hmm. to uh, quote the rabbis. They're, they're going right. to quote Gamaliel, they're going to quote this one, they're going to quote that one. And if they haven't been studied deep in the scriptures, they're going to be stuck. What's Jesus right. say? No, take no thought for what you will say, because the spirit of your father will give you in that hour what you're to speak. He's giving them an, a whole new way of communication. He's saying rather than communicate out of your head, you're going to be able to communicate out of your heart by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Does that kind of get a little little bit to where they're living? Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and the Jews would a lot of times say things in a way that we don't say it. Like, is it not true that, or, or is it, they, yeah. Well, they learned I, it, they learned to converse. And uh, they learned to grow. Their education was really by questions. They would ask mm-hmm. questions and respond. And you see that even with Jesus. They're asking him questions. He's asking them questions back. Uh, but that's a, that's a cerebral concept, a cerebral way of trying to deal with humanity. And Jesus says, I'm going to open up a whole new way of communication for you. The Spirit of the Father is going to speak through you. I think it's a, that's, a, that's a great example, Sandy, of, of one of those points where Jesus opens up a whole new threshold for us. Anybody else, you get a chance to, this is, this is not to make you feel bad if you didn't get a chance to, to, to look at any of these verses this, this month, but if you know of one, something comes up in your heart. The example we gave you last uh, month was Matthew chapter 6. Don't take any thought for what you're going to eat or what you're going to put on. Why? Because your heavenly father, he doesn't even say my heavenly father. He says your heavenly father. Well, that's new language to these Jews' ears. Your heavenly father knows what you have need of even before you ask. Their whole method was to wear God down. You wear God down with daily prayers to get what you want. He says, no, he knows what you need. How much more does he want to give you than what he gives to the birds and to the, to the plant life? Any other examples? I see Nathan and Hillary raising their hands. So let's go, uh, let's go Hillary women first. Let's go Hillary first. And then, and then we'll, unless, I guess, is either one of you like a response to what Sandy brought up or a different thought? Yeah. Response to what Sandy brought up? Yeah. Okay. How about you, Nathan? Yeah. Okay, so let's go Hillary first and then Nathan. Okay. So this is all just kind of brings to life Jesus' whole, I, I, you know, talk about debate, that whole John chapter 8, where he's just heavily in debate. And that word, Father, 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 Father. And, you know, he even says, I have much to say to judge you now. Now, this is Jesus. This isn't even Hillary that has mm-hmm. much to say to judge mm-hmm. Like Jesus, but he says, but that's not what you get because I only tell you what my father, he who sent me is faithful and true. So only what he tells me from heaven's perspective, that's what I'm going to tell the world. And he so identifies this connection, this relationship with the father to freedom versus slavery to conversation, to identity, to, you know, they're, you know, he has to tell them you're of your father, the devil, and tells him he's a liar. He's only a liar. 
And of course, they're beside themselves. And I just think like the way it's, where do I get my identity? Where do I really have my relationship? Who has my life? He, he I think he defines so beautifully there, even mm-hmm. from the beginning, how he deals with the woman thrown in accusation at his feet and how he walks through right. that process so miraculously. Right. Yes. Just the nature of the one who can call God father. And mm-hmm. he just doesn't, obviously doesn't waver, but there's so much tension there in that scripture. And I just thought he he walked out what Sandy was just. Yes. That's a great connection between yes. chapters eight and 10. Like yes, I had never seen eight as an example of 10. Yeah. That's cool. Jesus said, I have all authority to judge. But I didn't come to judge. I came to save. Why? Why didn't he use that authority? Because he's there to glorify the Father. That is, put a magnifying glass on the Father so the world can see the Father for who he really is. If Jesus was to judge anyone in his earthly ministry, he's betraying God as the big judge who's looking after, looking out for you to catch you in a fault. His whole goal, and you see this really over in chapter 17, Lord, return me to the glory that I had before the foundation of the world. I've glorified you. And suddenly God speaks out of heaven. Yes, and I'm going to glorify you again. Whoa. What does he mean? The Father is putting a magnifying glass on Jesus and showing us who Jesus really is. And Jesus, by his obedience in his life, his oneness with the Father, laying his own opinions down, laying his own authority to judge down, I think this is something that... Uh, really speaks to me. Um, As a leader, as an individual, as a father, I have a lot of opinions. In our our country, uh, you're only valued, you know, if you've really given your opinions a lot of thought, you weigh them out, and then you you let them out there. But when you say, you know, I choose not to have an opinion about that, or I choose not to make a judgment on that thing, uh, it can really be taken as, man, you're a, you're a sloppy brain. You know, you're lazy mentally. No, Jesus had authority, and, and like you brought up, Hillary, he had things that he could point against. I have things to judge you of, but I'm not going to judge you right now. Why? Because it would not give us the highest, most accurate picture of the Father's heart. It would not let us see God for who he really is. And so Jesus, all the way through his life, did only what he saw his father do, what he heard his father say. Why? To be the accurate magnifying glass so we could see the father for who he really is. Nathan, uh, do you have anything you want to share on what you've already given to us? You want to add something to it? Yeah, yeah. um, It's funny, when I was going through the, the assignment, you know, searching father, I just couldn't shake Matthew 40. Matthew chapter five verses, you know, those verses. And so even after I sent what I sent to you, I was up last night just thinking about it. Like, why is this still coming to my, my mind, you know? And so I, I did end up doing a little deeper study on some of the Greek language there. And in the verse um, 45, I think it is, it says, you know, you know, love your enemies, bless those who persecute you. And verse 45 says that you may be sons of your father. Right. And so I looked, I looked that up and, and I'm not going to try to pronounce the Greek right now because I can't remember, but basically means for the purpose of being or the purpose of becoming it's about purpose. And so I'm like praying and just chewing on it and trying to meditate like which one, because I mean, it's kind of different connotations, different means being or becoming, you know, and, and so Lord just said, it's both. 
like you give just both the purpose of being and the purpose of becoming because the the more we yield to the spirit the more grace is given and you know revelation yeah. and transformation yes. and incarnation of of what it means to be you know the revelation of sonship and then also be uh, uh being in that it led me to to romans chapter eight that you know the earth is groaning for the sons of god to be revealed and it would be these sons who carry the glory that rescues the earth from its decay and so then it led me back to the beginning of of matthew chapter or of the sermon on the mount blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of god and then you have blessed are the meek for they inherit the earth and that's where that inheritance kind of came in and so it all just kind of started to fit as we yield to the spirit and we choose to love our enemies not only do we become more revelation and like this the growing in in our maturity as sons but we're also given the grace to to rescue this decaying world like that's the whole purpose of growing in sonship is is not to escape the world but to actually go in it and be the light and so as long as we say no to these sonship issues we won't the purpose of being and the purpose of becoming will we'll reject that we'll say no to that which i think is part of yes like i said earlier rejecting the inheritance the inheritance is all that he is and all that he has and then on top of that it's his creation we're, we're meant to redeem and reclaim and restore we're touching on mean? two things here too deep, so. we're touching on two things here and, and one we're really going to need to set it off to the side and come at it later because it's it's the big one and that is the empowering presence in us to live out the life of the father uh, what i really want you to catch right now is how bizarre this would have sounded to jesus own audience that you will be like that you will be sons of your father in heaven unheard of uh, they were just trying to be good Jews that obeyed the law. He's talking about if you make peace with one another, not just keep peace, but if you're peacemakers, you'll be called sons of God. Well, there's, there's one son. This is crazy language to them. And a lot of people walked away because of that. A lot of the Pharisees said, we're going to crucify him for that. Uh, reading one of those passages later where they're, they're, they're saying, you're calling yourself a son of God. He says, hey, it's not a big deal. Uh, the psalmist David said, uh, you, are, you are gods. He quoted that. You, you are gods. If, if the psalmist would call us all gods, then why would you call it blasphemy for me to say that I'm a son of God? So it was really triggering his, his audience to just use the term father to then uh, associate that relationship to himself as a son of the father. And then this one really got them to say, your father, our father, you have the same access to the father as I do because he is our father. And the, the one that's always rattled me is, is when Jesus is just resurrected and he's in the garden and, and Mary sees him and Rabboni, Rabbi, and she falls down to grab his ankles. And he says, touch me not for I've not yet ascended to my God and your God. You'd expect him to say that. But then he says to Mary, my father and your father. He gives Mary the same entrance and the same access into the throne room and into the family that he has himself. And he's done that for all of us. Somebody else had Eduardo, their hand raised. Eduardo had his hand raised. And then, so we'll go to Eduardo and then to Andres. Hi, Amy. I see Amelia <laughs> down Hello. in Bogota. Well, go ahead, Eduardo. 
thank you very much. I'm new to this group. I'm very, Welcome. very blessed. I have been praying for this like over 10 years. Wow. Uh, have been, I know I knew I'm, I'm in Mexico I, and I had, a, I was born again like 32 years ago, but a regular normal Christian, you know, what, what I'm reading your, your, your books is there, there's, there's a blessing. And uh, I had an encounter with the father like 10 years ago. You know, I really had an encounter and say, wow, what does, what is this? You know, so I have been uh, practicing being one with the father, etc. But I, I, and I, I had been praying to find some, some, something that could help me uh, uh, share this with others. You might know, like a process, a clear process. Uh, it took me like 10 years. I mean, I know in, I am in the process, of, of course, you know, but uh, I just want to thank you and, uh, uh, well, it, you're really, all, all of you are, are a blessing and I'm really very, very, very happy. You know, I have been crying with your, your first book, you know, and I thought that I didn't have any issues with my biological father, but the Holy Spirit said, yes, there are some issues <laughs> still there, you know, so it's, it's, it's a real a blessing. blessing. Thank it's, you, Eduardo. These people, they are born again and say what what do i do now say well i don't yeah. know because i don't want to send you yeah. to a re regular church Fantastic. i don't want to damage you oh. you know so yes. thank you thank you what part of mexico are you from eduardo it's Lilius, right? i'm from mexico oh, city but I, I live in atlisco puebla i don't know if you know it's a magical small town beautiful town like two years ago well that has a what the father has done with my life is amazing it's a Fantastic. And uh, I'm living here, and this is this is a, a beautiful. We have a volcano now; it's in er, erupting now. It's uh, everybody is very very afraid. You know, we are wow. uh, they closed the airport in Mexico City wow. yesterday, etc. So, but they say, why why aren't you worried? Because I know who is my father, no. And if <laughs> if it's time to leave, well, it, it's time to to go to his Thank presence, you. no. So, yes. Yes. So good. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Wonderful. We're so to glad you. to have you Thank with you. us. Invite your friends. Join yeah. us. Who else? Andres. Andres. Hello, Andres, my Hello. friend. Hi. How are you? Very good. Okay. I, I did my homework, but I, but I went to a little bit a little bit far because I went to the to the to the to the letters of Paul, and I was trying you know like to find out the, the word Abba and. And the way he used that that word, but listening to the, to to what you were saying about Matthew, especially Matthew ten, because they, there's a, a relation between Matthew ten and Matthew twenty three. If you go to Matthew twenty three, Jesus is saying, "Don't allow, don't call nobody father, because you have only yes. one father on, on on this life." So what I what I read in Matthew ten when when he's saying, "But when they arrest you in the in the verse nineteen, when they, uh, but when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For mm. it will not be your speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. So what I was thinking at this moment is that when um, what, what Jesus was trying to point is that if you, are, if you are in a relationship with your father, with Abba, then you will speak like Jesus, you know, like you will, you will speak the father's words. And you're going to be a, an instrument in his hands 
for you to speak to some other people. I, I, what, I, what I want to point is that at that moment, if you want to speak to the people, then you have to go through all of the, you know, like the scholastics through the rabbi school and stuff like that for you to speak, to be able to open the, 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 the roles, the scrolls of, of the, of the Holy right. Scriptures. But when you are in a relationship with the Father, then you have the words of your Father in you, and you can speak out loud that kind of words. One of the things that amazed Jesus' hearers, and you remember when he says uh, he speaks with such wisdom and authority, why did they say he speaks with such authority? Because he did not quote the other rabbis. Every other rabbi they listened to would, would muster their their facts together and their argument by quoting certain rabbis. Jesus never quoted another rabbi. He only quoted his father, <laughs> which sets you quite far apart. So, you know, I'm always amazed at people now that are trying to cast Jesus back into a rabbinical role. So you can only understand Jesus if you understand uh, rabbinical Judaism. No, Jesus reinterpreted rabbinical Judaism. He did rabbi like no other rabbi ever did rabbi. He did it by the words of the Father. And you know this. When you say something that God has spoken to you, it comes out with authority, doesn't it? It comes out with conviction. It comes out with fire. Imagine the difference of someone listening to Jesus rehearse the words of his father that he might have heard that morning in prayer versus a rabbi that's quoting six or eight other rabbis. So this is, this is the difference we're trying to get to. Yeah, and I think this points to what Eduardo was sharing about. Many of us have come to know Jesus, coming to the kingdom of God, and heard basically a rehashing of what other fathers of the faith have said, as opposed to posturing ourselves to relate directly to the Father and hear Him specifically. And I think that's scary. Yeah. I think that's scary for many pastors because yes, it, it, it forces us to release control, right? I think you said one time that pastors make rules so they can sleep at night, right? So, so we're more comfortable teaching people what to do, what not to do, because yes. we feel like as fathers in the church, it's our responsibility to shape people up. And what did you say? You only have one father. Yes, yes. Don't call anybody else father. You yes. have one father. Listen to him. He'll guide you. Can we, can we trust the Holy Spirit ultimately? Yes. The Spirit of the Father who's living in us. Brings us to one of the things that I saw that I just, I'll point out. I've, I've got 25 different points that I found just in a quick run through on the four Gospels. One of those is that he reinterprets family on this exact point. He totally reinterprets what family is. When, when the disciples come to him and say, hey, your, brother, your mother and your brothers are outside. They're trying to get in the house. They can't get in. Who's my mother? Who's my brother? But he who does the will of the Father. He reinterprets family by saying, as you've said, don't call anybody else father. You only have one father. So he's bringing us all in on this level plane where we are all Brothers and sisters used to in church, we would call each other brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so to try to remember this. We don't do that so much anymore because it got religious. But we're all brothers and sisters, and he is our elder brother, and we have one father. So Jesus literally reinterprets the idea of family for us when it comes to our father so that we all have one access one way, there's only one way into the Father. There's no grandchildren, there's no aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews. We're all brothers or sisters in the Lord. And then back to your point of speaking 
what the Father says, this is where priesthood ministry is supposed to thrive, where we all bring something to the table. We all share. Does it mean we all get the microphone and, and get to preach for an hour? No. Even in the early church, even in Jesus' ministry, there was, there was a handful of those that would, would actually put it out, and then everyone else would take that and share it with one another. And so what we have to give is what the Father's saying in our hearts, and we know when we speak it, it carries an authority and a fire with it. I just want to encourage you, again, the assignment that we're trying to give you is not an assignment to put everybody to work. It's to help us sharpen each other. I know you'll see things that I didn't see. Hopefully I'll see a few things that you didn't see, and we'll put those together, and we'll have a, a new idea. This has been life-changing to me just the last couple of weeks to read through the Gospels, and every time I see that father term, I stop and ask myself the question, what was Jesus trying to say, and what was he trying to say that he was willing to risk so much by using this unusual term uh, in his circles in Judaism, for sure. Can I say just one thing? Um, Nathan, I think, had his hand up, too, but um, just in practical terms, I think, so what? So what do we do about this? And for many of us who are called to pastoral ministry or we're discipling people, I think this points to the, how essential it is that we teach people to hear the Father's voice for themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? And to break away from the hierarchical idea that it's only the professional vocational ministers who get to hear from God. We all need to learn to hear from God. From right. And it's really not an optional thing. Right. It is foundational. It is foundational. And what we as pastors have to learn, and it's difficult to learn, certainly to retrofit after you've been to Bible college and all that stuff, and they try to teach you what to say. What we have to learn is to turn that question back around and say, what's the Father saying to you about that? Because it feels good for us to come at, people come ask us, you know, their questions and want our, our input. And, and it's an ego stroke for me to think that I've got the answer. It is very sonship-like for me to hold my opinion and say, what's the Father saying to you about that? And this is something you and I need to learn. I really need to learn it. We all need to learn this is the first, our first response to people that are asking for prayer, asking for help, many people asking for guidance. Pastor, would you pray with me about the will of God? We're considering this or this. We just don't know which way to go. It's easy for me to dive into some kind of a prayer like I know what to pray. When in reality, I just need to say, hey, let's ask the Father. Let's ask the Father. Let's listen. And a lot of times people say, well, you know, no, I didn't hear anything. You know, I kind of got this sense. Well, yes, you did hear something. You just don't know that that's the Father's voice. So this is a key. We're all sons and daughters of His. We all have ears to hear. He's always speaking. His Spirit is teaching us and communing with us on the inside. And the more we listen to one another, the more we build each other's confidence in our ability to hear, don't we? Anybody else? Nathan had his hand up, and Deborah, I think, had her hand up. So let's go Nathan and then Deborah. One of the one of the things I'm noticing since, you know, just this assignment is how much in your face Jesus was to the Pharisees, you know, and even the audience, you know, like we said, the awe and... and, mm-hmm. and the, the goal I remember reading the book you recommended, Cheeky, was misreading scripture through Western eyes. And they they talked about the honor, shame culture, their honor. There's only so much honor to go around and it being a limited resource like they, they couldn't trap him. And, the, and we were talking about Matthew, chapter 10, I'll give you the things to say. 
Like there's, there's, there was no argument to it. There was, there was no, there's really no entrapment. And I think that's part of what opened, like just opened the eyes of those who had ears to hear, but infuriated those who were like, he's mm. not quoting the rabbis. He's not, he's not quoting doctrine. He's, he's saying he's, he's only saying what he hears his father saying and only doing what he hears his father or only doing what he sees his father doing. And, mm. and it was so, it just interrupted political, social, cultural life. And it just brought freedom to so many people. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm seeing a lot when we're doing this study that the father gives so much freedom to just like, there's no more need for a rabbi to mediate for you, you know? And so that's kind of what's I've been seeing through it all that I don't need a mediator. I don't, you know, that, yeah, that's just it. That's just it. Listen to his voice. Y'all know that uh, Cheeky and I teach it uh, across the nations and LCU and different universities uh, at times. And we have a lot of young people uh, that are feel called to ministry. And we will always hear this question, how do I get started in the ministry? What's, what's the secret? Do I get on staff at a big church, start climbing that ladder? What's the secret? Here's, here's the key. It's right back to this. If you'll learn to hear the Father's voice for yourself, when you speak, everyone will know you got that straight from the Father. And that's when people come. That's when people want to hear what you and I have to say. When we know we're speaking from the Father, not from just some book we read. We're not just speaking the things that we heard somebody else say and quoting other people. That's okay, because other people hear God's voice too. And when you hear something, you hear you know God spoke it to them, then then that has some fire with you too. But you have to have your own revelation from the Lord. And that's why I think Paul prayed in almost every letter he wrote, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. He used different words in different prayers, but it always came back to this. I want your eyes to see. I want your heart to burn with what the Father is saying to you because he'll have a different answer for each one of us for our situations. And it's important that we get to hear that voice. Yeah, I want to add a little bit to that, like a story, because as a pastor, this has really helped me. And if there's any other pastors or any ministry leaders, this is so good. A pastor was telling me about teaching people to hear the Father's voice for themselves. And and he was ministering in a a very heavily Wiccan area, uh, very, very. And then there was this. This woman, a man and a, a man and a wife who were in Wiccan, they were came to the church to to curse the pastor because of the people he kept taking and discipling. And anyway, she ended up getting saved and she's navigating faith and juggling all these things. She has this can I or can't I question for the pastor. And he, she asked the pastor, can I continue to use my Ouija board? And he said, everything inside of him wanted to say, no, 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 run away, burn it, throw it away. And he said, but the Holy Spirit just had my my lips butted shut. And he said, the, the, what the Holy Spirit wanted him to say is he asked her, he looked her dead in the face, what is the Holy Spirit telling you about this? What is the Father telling you about this? And she stops. She's like, I don't know. She goes, well, ask him. And she goes, okay. And she asks, and all of a sudden she goes, oh my gosh, I am afraid of my future. I don't trust God with my future. That's why I want to do it. So I don't need it. I trust God with my future. And, and it was just like, how, how more powerful yes. is it to lead yes. someone into receiving revelation for themselves? Rather than yes. tell them, no, no, it's evil. If you do that, God will be angry at you. Yes. And the father's like, answer has more fruit. Yeah, the father's answer goes to the root as opposed to just trying to deal with the symptom. Instead of adding a rule, he gets to the root. 
And I think that's really powerful. Where's your trust? And can we trust the Holy Spirit to be able to lead a brand new believer into uh, fullness with him? And I think we can. Deborah, we've got about five more minutes. We want to be uh, honorable of your time. Okay. Um, I can't, and when I was going through, I did do my homework and, uh, I came across Mark 14, 62, and it was saying, Jesus said, I am, and you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of the power of power coming, uh, with a cloud of heaven. And then also with that, I, the scripture in John 10 30, it says, I and the father are one. Yes. And so with that being said, um, I, I had the, and also in acts two 33, it says being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the father, the promise of Holy spirit, he has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. And so even that part of what you guys were just saying, you know, about that, you know, the father is, is wanting us to, you know, to hear, and we've been talking about hearing his voice and seeing, being able to see what he's wanting us to know and such like that. And so with me, I got caught up with the right hand of the father being at the right hand of the father and how we, he sits by the right hand of the father, making intercession for us and praying for us. And in that, that part of that is, is that with the right hand, there's a significance about that. If there's power um, and also there's blessings, there's sovereignty. The right hand is seen in a place of honor and a stat- status throughout the biblical text. When the Bible makes statements that Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the father, it is affirming that he is equal status to the father with the Godhead. And we are equal with the father as well. And so I just wanted to encourage each one of us that he, he so desires us to come to that place. And, um, I, you know, that's all I had to say. It was just that, you know, when, when they said, you know, that the gentleman had mentioned about I am uh, I and the father of one. Yes. We are one with him. And there's nothing that can take that ever away from us. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, thank you, Deborah. I, I just want to encourage you to lay hold of just one or two things that you hear tonight. One of those could be, uh, Father, teach me how to encourage others to hear your voice, uh, even if it's just leading them in, in how to do it. Father, would you speak to us about this and just be quiet for a little bit and give him room to, to do that. Uh, maybe it's the idea of withholding your opinion or your judgment about a thing, even though it may make you look like a dumb sheep. <laughs> Jesus went to the cross withholding his opinion. He could have judged the whole lot, but he didn't. He didn't say a word. And even though they thought, you know, he's an idiot, he's lunatic, he's a fanatic, he just knew that he's going to let uh, God judge. So, this is part of sonship. I want to give you just, we've got maybe 60 seconds, maybe we're already done, but I want to give you a few, just some pointers. If you're just getting on this journey, uh, maybe this will help you. Here's just uh, the first 10 I ran into. Uh, how we treat each other, that is honor. How we treat each other is a sonship issue. If we understand the recalibration, the reinterpretation of family, then we understand how I treat you is how I'm treating the Lord. Uh, and he, he tells us that. How we treat each other, mercy is a key to that. Uh, a spirit of generosity is a sonship issue. We see that in Matthew chapter 6. 
if we're hanging on and trying to get all we can because we don't actually trust that God is looking after us, then, then guess what? We're not going to be very generous. But when we really come to this place in sonship in a wanting, I'm going to talk more about that later, wanting. Uh, when I read in John 14 through 17, it's, it's all about the oneness there. Provision in the Father's mission is a sonship issue knowing that he's going to take care of you. If we're on his mission, he's going to give us the weapons we need. He's going to give us the armor we need. He's going to give us the the clothes we need. We don't have to worry about anything. Fourthly, self-promotion versus humility. Humility is a sonship issue. When I don't have to promote myself and I understand that I can can kneel, I can wash disciples' feet and uh, wash anybody's feet and understand that what I'm doing is, is showing what the Father would be doing if he were in this situation. That's called glorifying God. Doing good works. We don't like to talk about good works because we're afraid people are going to mistake that for how you get saved. No, we're not talking about salvation. Your salvation is in him alone, but we're born unto, created unto good works. What are good works about? Showing what the Father would do in that similar situation. He would bind up. He would heal. He would help. He would lift. So, what, what I see in Scripture is that we will, as believers, we will receive a judgment, a reward about the deeds that we've done in the body. That's not salvation. That has to do with how we live out the generosity of, of a good father to a world. And six is, is prayer is reinterpreted as a sonship issue. This is a huge one. We talk about it in, in the third book. Prayer is a sonship issue because if you really know the Father's heart and you know that all things are yours, then you're not having to try to twist God's arm to, to make him do something. Prayer becomes and is re- reinterpreted by Jesus as a sonship issue. And then number seven, commitment is a sonship issue. Uh, this is a huge one because if you're walk with God is built on willpower. I'm going to make myself do the right thing. Then commitment's very important. And I grew up in church hearing commitment, 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 be more committed, more committed, be more involved. When reality, if you get this oneness in your heart, you this uh, Holy Spirit putting the Father's heart in you, it's really not about commitment. It's just about doing what the, the Lord is putting in your heart to do. I'm not saying that commitment's not there, but if I deeply love my wife, I don't have to work on commitment to her, right? Oh, I got to be committed to my wife. I got to be good. No, I love my wife. Why would I do anything else? That's the fullness, fulfillment of the law. Then boldness to stand for Christ becomes a sonship issue. Boldness to stand. That is to, to speak out. He says, if you don't speak before men, I won't speak of you before my what? Before my Father in heaven. So it's just living out what we know in our hearts and being truthful about it. Then number nine is your values, worth, and identity. We know this one. Your value, worth, and identity is a sonship issue. It's not going to be based on how much money you make or what kind of job or title you have. Your value, worth, and identity is going to be built on the inside of you by the voice of the Father speaking, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. The final one we've already addressed, and that's forgiveness. Forgiveness is really a sonship issue. and Again, it's not willpower. It's letting the Holy Spirit work that love in our hearts for each other to where we even love our enemies spontaneously. Spontaneously. That's, uh... That's the work of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> well, I want to encourage you. Uh, maybe you spend a little bit of time on this little project. Maybe you haven't had a chance to do it at all. 
Uh, I'm not asking you to tackle it the same way I did. I mean, I went after it. I got through all four Gospels, finished uh, the last few chapters of John this afternoon. But I've got to go back and take some time with that because I believe there's some revelation that's really, really waiting on us. There's some revelation from the Father that's really waiting on us just to go back and say, listen to what he's offering you when he talks about me that way. And he really wants us to see who we are. And he wants us to hear his voice for ourselves so that when we speak it, it's fire. And it sets, sets hearts on fire when they hear us. I'm so thankful for you. Uh, Eduardo, so glad to have you from Mexico. Andres from Bogota. We love you guys. Uh, Arkansas, North Carolina, all over. We're just we're thrilled to have friends. Uh, all over uh, the world. And I do believe the depths of my being that God is uh, creating a movement. He's restoring sonship uh, to his body, to his family, so that we can then give ourselves away. That's the only way we're going to reach the world. It's not going to be with dollars, money, sign-on commitments, or whatever. It's going to be with the people that know who they are and can freely give themselves away and, and live our life to do that. Amen. Can I answer a yes. totally sidebar question? Sure. They're asking where I got this uh, red T-shirt. It's cool. So uh, Linda Van Til from uh, one of our friends from Table of Friends has designed, she designs a lot of T-shirts, and she sells them through Etsy. Her store is called Smiles Market, like plural Smiles Market. If you, if you go to Etsy, look up Smiles Market. There's all kinds of designs, really fun stuff. We also have the same thing in coffee cups on our on our bar, don't yes, we? Yeah. we? One coffee cup says nothing to prove. One coffee cup says nothing to hide. One coffee cup says nothing to fear. So whichever one you need that day, you'd have your coffee out of that cup. <laughs> oh, we love you. Fun. Father, bless us. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your amazing love for us and the way Jesus loved us the same way you've loved us. And you love us the same way you've loved Jesus. Let us be so full of that love that we can love others transparently and with the same glory so that people see you for who you really are, a father that loves his kids. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I speak blessing over everyone represented here and their families in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Good to see all of you. Blessings to you. Communicate with us some by email. And uh, if you see something in some of these verses uh, I would love to see it. I would love to hear it, and uh, it would add more to, to my journey as well. Also, if, if there's a particular topic that you say, can we just spend a whole Monday night on this one thing? I think that'd be fun to hear what's stirring in your heart. And we can I've got 25 of them already, and so, I mean, we could, <laughs> we, we've got two and a half years' worth. But if you've got a topic you really want to talk about, we would love to do that. Please let us know. Yeah. Blessings. So, Have okay, a great so one. So Jeffrey said, post email or can I reply to the, yeah, I think Ethan, they can reply to the email that where the link was, right? And yes. we'll get that. Yes. You can reply to the, to the email that, that sent you the Zoom link and we'll get those if you want to give feedback or input, stuff like that. So Thank you so much. We welcome it. We love you. We're praying for you. Have a great month. See you this time next month. Thanks, Blessings. everybody. Love you. Bye.